You are listening to the Evolution Exchange Podcast Australia, a melting pot of ideas and inspiration shared by some of the most successful tech leaders in Australia. I'm Matt. I help connect businesses with tech talent, and today I'm your host. So welcome back to another Evolution Exchange podcast. Today I'm joined by four senior leaders within the Sydney technology industry, where we will be discussing the topic of effective leadership, covering areas such as leadership styles, support in a working from home environment, and measuring the effectiveness of leadership. Before we jump into the questions, it'd be great to meet our panelists. I'll start with you, Junaid. Can you please introduce yourself and kick things off? Thanks, Matt. Uh, hello, my name is Junaid. Uh, I'm currently engineering manager at Safety Culture in the customer facing engineering um, CFA analytics team. Um, and I really like to like develop myself and others and learn more and more things. Yep, that's it for me. Awesome. Thanks, Junaid. And Jason, do you want to introduce yourself? Hi, everyone. My name is Jason. I'm the CTO over at Human Force. Um, I started out as a developer many, many years ago, uh, was lucky enough to be the custodian of teams ranging in size of, say, five to all the way up to about 120. Uh, for me, I, I really love building cool things and uh, helping teams grow to their full potential. Awesome. Thanks for that, Jason. Victor, on to you next. Yeah. Hi, all. Uh, my name is Victor. And yeah, I started as a designer and moved to development and then from there move to startups and scale-ups and we do love doing that. Currently I'm the head of engineering of Driver. Yeah, one of the coolest startups in Sydney. Sorry, I have to say that. Yeah. <laughs> I like it. I like it. <laughs> Thanks for that. And lastly, Eduardo. Hi, uh, I'm Eduardo Rodriguez. Uh, I'm one of the engineer managers at Prospection. We work with the pharmaceutical industry. And my role is like to unblock and unleash the potential of the teams and like making sure that uh, all the uh, potential is being released through the uh, entire aspect of engineering. Awesome. Thanks everyone for your intros, just to give some context. So we'll jump kind of straight into the first question, which was brought forward by Janaid, which is, is having different leadership styles in the same organization good or bad? So I'll get you, Janae, just to maybe give some context, maybe your kind of personal experience and, and then kick things off with answering yeah. that one. Cool. Thanks, uh, Matt. Yeah, so the, I asked this question because uh, I've seen like different personality types uh, in the industry and sometimes they can be like different, very different kind of leadership styles uh, within the same business. Sometimes that you work with your peers um and they do work in a certain way if that's a good thing or bad thing that's what i want to understand um i want to know your thoughts on awesome do, do you want to get give us um your thoughts on that as well or, or do you want to yep. pass it straight around yeah so what i've seen is um sometimes if there are different types uh in leadership so if it's like a following kind of thing it's okay in the startup so i was part of a startup before um sometimes you need uh to have different kind of like leadership style, you need to have different hats, but in different times, if you have like um, people of different um, kind of leadership styles, you need to make sure that you are understanding them and making sure there is no kind of giving them space as well, that space, uh, because you have one way of working and in software industry, you can have a million ways of fixing things or building things. So just doing, applying the same principle on leadership as well. Awesome. Thanks, Jane. And Jason, what are your thoughts? 
I think it can be good and bad. It depends on the situation and the environment. I think you, you touched on a few things there as well. Uh, I, I totally believe that you know a, a good all-round culture and open leadership style is is very useful anywhere. Um, but to your point, you have to really get to know the people that you're working with. And as as a you know from what I've seen with with other leaders that I've worked with. If you can really understand someone and adapt how you actually uh, communicate with them, that that so that you can speak to their listening and actually get the right outcomes from them, I think that's 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 a very powerful thing to to be able to do, and that's probably the key thing. It's not about you know you've got this leadership style or you got that leadership style. It's around what works for you and the team, and as you say, situational as well. But then really being able to adapt based on who you, who you're working with, and that might be. You know, managing up or, or managing down. I think managing up can be a lot harder most of the times. Awesome. Thanks for that, Jason. And Victor? Yeah, it's a really good question. And to be honest, like, I'm not sure like if it's really, you know, good or bad question, if anything. I think it's leadership is very personal. So, you know, you can have different leaders, like different people, and they will have their own kind of style to lead. And as long as they're very, you know, like, very good top alignment in the organization, but we're trying to achieve you know, the leadership team or like in general where the company is going. And that is also very important, right? So, because, and I think what Jason said is very true. Like eventually we more adapt ourselves to the people that we lead, less than people that lead with us, right? Because eventually the leadership in the team, the organization, they are peers and we communicate with them basically on the alignment and you know, kind of the management, the down management is understand the people motivation and how to get them where they need to be. Awesome. Perfect. Thanks, Victor. And Eduardo, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I believe we have two aspects of leadership. Uh, one is when you're leading the team. Uh, and to that aspect, you should be consistent. Like the team should kind of know what you expect. Uh, and that will help them to make decisions uh, when you are not around. Uh, but when you go to the level of the individuals, uh, it's 100% what Jason said, like uh, it needs to be individualized. Ones will prefer a little bit more closer uh, support. The other ones is just like you give the hint and they will figure out and they go through and they will find a way uh, to get there. So definitely organizations that are seeking uh, diversity. Uh, that comes from like different backgrounds and different uh, uh, experience for, for everyone. Uh, I had an experience, uh, I'm from Brazil. I had to experience to work with uh, American culture for quite a long time. And now in Australia, as well, Brazilians, we are very sensitive in terms of uh, how the feedback is given. Uh, we tend to take that very personally. US, no personal whatsoever. Like they are very, very strict. Uh, and Australia is like in between. So. Uh, you really need to understand how, how to communicate with those different people uh, on the individual level. Awesome. Thanks, everyone, for your contribution. Yeah, I really liked it. Um, and, and kind of moving on straight into our next question, which was put forward by Jason. With the explosion of remote first and hybrid work environments, how can we ensure we are driving to business outcomes and empowering our people leaders to support their teams effectively? If I'll start with you, Jason, if you could yeah, maybe give some context and then look to answer that as well. Yeah, sure. Um, so I guess the 
No one's, uh, n- none of us are strangers to to remote working, especially over the, p- the past few years. Um, before that, there were a lot of tech companies that were doing remote work, but I also worked for a few places where if, if you didn't have bums on seats, they weren't working. Um, so I guess the the for me, it was more around that uh, the people leaders that you work with, how do we make sure that we, we can support them? Because for a lot of them, it is quite a big adjustment. They're used to being there. They're used to being able to see someone. Uh, you know, they can pull pull people up on bad behavior, those sorts of things. So how do we then, as as leaders of leaders, make sure that, you know, our people have got the right support so that they can adapt and adjust in this ever-changing world where, you know, they, they can still be as as effective and still be as impactful with their people and the business gets the outcomes that, that, that they're still looking for um, and, and giving them that, that support. You know, for, for me, that's that's been a, an interesting challenge over the last while. Some people have taken to it quite easily. Some people are, are you know struggle a bit more uh, because they want that face to face contact. Um, we've sort of dealt with it in in a few different ways. We've obviously you know make sure that we do the usual sort of Zoom hygiene, you know, videos on those sorts of things. Uh, but then we also try and get people together as as you know as appropriate. So team days, those sorts of things. It's not about having people in the office. It's about having people get together and collaborate and 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 talk together. Um, so again, keeping those bonds going. That's that's what I've seen work. I'd I'd love to hear what you guys think. Thanks, thanks for that, Jason. Janaid, I'll, I'll pass it back to you. What are your thoughts on this one? Um, yeah. So I started in uh, like remotely in safety culture. Um, so I feel I do like sometimes miss the that like face to face connection. And it was a bit difficult um, to get on, like uh, slightly uh, to understand all the whole, whole context and be create like a bond or connection. It does take like a while when you're working remotely, but um, what I've seen in, and in my previous workplace as well, um, it was a bit difficult to make sure that everybody is achieving what you want to achieve as part of the business goal. Um, so it it. There are multiple approaches that I took, and it's mostly around like it's mostly around trust. And if people are not actually doing their thing, uh, you know uh, what goals you want to achieve, and you have a timeline, and you're communicating that to the business. So what we do is we do communicate upwards. What I we use uh, something that really worked for us was communicating with the team as well that this is exactly what the expectations we are managing. So we are managing expectations with you. We are managing up expectations upwards as well. Um, and then creating, like removing all those boundaries, most of the boundaries that are generally there. Um, and that actually started working quite well for us because everybody understood the, um, the complexities and the, uh, and the requirement that we are really trying to solve the problems for. Um, so it was mostly around trust and communication. Um, overall, what I've till now got from people is they do want to see each other. Uh, I said, I can't, it's sometimes during COVID and they're like, we really want to see each other. I was like, yep, this is something I can't really help out with because uh, this is something that's not in my hand. It's like um, like a normal lockdown. So, um, but yeah, overall, it's good to see that people have like a bond and they understand the requirements on the business. Yep. Awesome. Thanks for that, Janaid. And Victor, move on to you next. Yeah, I couldn't agree more on the business uh, communication because I think this is really the key here. And what do you mean by that? It's like, you know, we all can be working from home and we have tech leads that need to support their team. And I think now it's even more important so they understand what's the value 
they, what you know why what they're building is so they can pretty much explain that to the engineers and know it themselves and that's not done when they you know deploy when they finish working on i think now is even more important after after that's in production after that is in custom hands we still need to show them you know how that value look, looks like now it's either like you know in the dollar value some kind of statistics so they can actually see what you know what's going on in the business so it's kind of it can connect them back to the business and that can be done you know through like bringing a product or someone from the business and show them you know customer reviews or again the statistics some of that outside of engineering it's also very important to connect to engineering right like, like we do workshops every week and part of that workshop sometimes it's not an in, you know not necessarily engineering we can we can have business from someone from the business come and explain those are competitors right and that kind of keeps everyone at the same page and yeah and you know we also do all you know the rest of stuff that you guys said you know camera on the zoom calls and we have lunch uh, together that like once a week and uh, yeah people are free to join so and and that's very very helpful yeah perfect good good and Eduardo, what are your thoughts yeah that's definitely a tricky one because everything that we've learned about management and like experience uh in the past like on the literature is like from six years ago then have been evolving and now we got to a point that even with some level of remote experience before now we are forced into a situation that like we don't know what what are the goods and, and, and bad things uh what what i saw that's working is like trying to go uh kind of agile try different things like with more frequency to see with each one that will give uh, good feedback uh, uh as victor said like uh we have some standards right now cameras on during the meetings because that that's the way you should you would be in the office anyway face to face right like uh other thing that for me is uh, helping quite a lot to like to reduce that is uh if on slack or any message system like uh teams the conversation is going way too long pop in a meeting like put put the the, the voice in there because uh text is too slow uh, and a thread can go hours and hours and hours that could be solved by uh, in five minutes in a call with everyone together. So there are a few things that you can do, but uh, in terms of the leadership, uh, like the, the, the more communication you have with your leaders and uh, keep in touch with them uh, and encourage them to keep in touch with the other leaders as well and the other team members because reduce the people join the organization now, their uh, visibility on the team is very limited to the, the, the people that they interact every day. Uh, that, that broad vision in terms of like going to the kitchen, going to the coffee and, and, and talk to different people doesn't exist. It's, it's hard for you to force or, or have engagements uh, with people outside of your line of vision. Uh, and that is something that we need to encourage uh, to, to make sure that they get engaged and, and join the organization as they should. Yeah, agreed with the videos and just a quick call makes things a lot easier. Uh, Victor. Do you want to jump back in? Yeah, I want to just like add in like another small thing. And I will kind of, you know, like what I kind of hear from others here, because I think what, you know, we talked about what we should do. And I also can think it's important to talk about what we probably shouldn't do. And is one of, you know, the main thing, I think, that we shouldn't solve those problems with more and more process, right? Uh, kind of something to put, okay, we have to do this now, or we have to do this now. And I think, you know, I really agree with Eduardo. We should be more 
really more agile on this. You should try something. If it works for the team, great. If it doesn't work, let's try something else, right? And because things are changing all the time. COVID put us working from home. Now we're working part from home, part from, uh, from the office. Sometimes we will find ourselves half of the team is there in the office and going for lunch, half the team is working from home. Right. So like it's we I don't think we will have like one rule, you know, fits them all. So we really need to be careful when we, you know, add in something specific and try to like solve solve it with, with the process. Great answers. Great answers. Um I think it ties well moving on to our next question, which was put forward by Victor. How do we get constructive feedback from the team when in a leadership position? I suppose, especially at the moment, uh, you know, in, in this environment we're in. And Victor, I'll get you yeah. to, to kind of kick that off. Yeah, I think, you know, the feedback from the team, from people working with is always important. Uh, from home or, you know, not from home, it doesn't really matter because this is how we improve as leaders. And this is how we know what the team, you know, team stands for. Like if someone has, has an issue, this will be, like, and we can see that. So the best way to know that is to get that feedback and hopefully you know, to create the environment so that they feel safe to, to give that feedback. And we're kind of keen to hear, you know, how you guys do that in the organization. Awesome. Thanks, Victor. I might jump, switch a little bit. Jason, I'll uh, go to you next. What are your thoughts on this one? Make me un unmute uh, out of order. Um, look, I, I think communication is absolutely critical. Um, I think out of out of the one thing that any effective leader needs to do is is make sure that there's open lines of communication. And I think the one point that that, that you raised there, Victor, around safety is is absolutely paramount. People need to feel like they're they're in a safe space they can say what 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 they need to say uh and there's going to be no judgment or no criticism or anything like that you know it's about talking about a problem not about a person so and that that obviously starts with us you know it's, we've got to make sure that we foster that that sort of environment um then you know th there's there's a few traditional ways of, of doing that it's the usual one-on-ones where you know you you have those those one-on-one -on -one conversations with someone um the, the way i look at the, those is it's not about a status update. It's time for the other person to, you know, spend time with me and tell me what's working, what's not working, what sort of development would they like to do, and to really focus on them as an individual, as opposed to, you know, oh, I finished so many tickets and I'm, I'm up to date with that. You know, so so that I think is is really important. Um, but but in the end of the day, it's it's about those conversations. I think one thing that that I found work work really well as well is to have step down conversations. So where you'll jump over the the person in between and actually just have have an individual conversation with someone. You know, I think one of the things that unfortunately we've lost a bit of is that that uh, the water cooler talk. You know, I used to love wa just walking around, talking to people, seeing where they're at. How, you know, how's the family? having that bond form because that then allows them to come to you in an open way if there is a problem um, or even if there's just some some feedback for someone else you know and and being able to work through that with them so i think that's that's some of the things that i've i've, I've seen and done uh, i think it'll be interesting to see how that adapts moving forward as well with all of the remote and hybrid work thanks that jason Janaid, i'll move on to you next what are, what are your thoughts with this one 
Yeah, I can't agree more with Jason um, on this one. Um, so far, one thing uh, I'd just like to add in this one is like one like traditional one-on-ones or like generic catch-ups on uh, like how you're doing. Um, so we I do put those one-on-ones in my calendar because if you don't, you sometimes forget that you have encountered with people because you get too busy with that. Um, so we do have like an uh, ad hoc way as well to just, if you have anything, just reach out. But that trust or the water cooler talk that actually bring builds that trust or that bond that where people open up. But with COVID, what I've seen and since I joined during COVID um, was I was not being able to make that bond. So initially, what I felt difficult was I used to ask them, "How can I help you? What things are, what's not working? What's what's working?" And generally, with different people, it's not with every developer. I won't stereotype all the developers, but most of the developers are quite. Um, uh, they don't, they, they're very straightforward. They're like, yep, everything's okay. Everything's all well. Every time you ask them, yep, all good. Uh, that's the generic answer. Unless you go and then you start going down into detail and like how you're doing, what's happening with this part. And if if um, these things are working for you, um, what did I do wrong? I think and then I just provide them if they're not comfortable with that. I said, okay, I maybe if I make a mistake, I straight away own that. I just said, okay, I think I made a mistake over there. Just to give them a context that I'm also a human. I'm not like a superhuman kind of person who can't make mistakes. Just let them know that I'm a human. I make mistakes. And if they're mistakes, it's not punishable. It's like learnings for them. It's not a mistake unless you are not doing it a million times over and over again. Um, so, um, yeah, and it, it, you just learn from these and ask them specific questions on like be more connected to them and communicate. Awesome. Thanks, that Jane. Back to Jason. Do you want to? Jump in there again. Yeah, I think the, the, the one comment you made around uh, the way that it developed, or most people, when you ask them, how are you? Oh, no, I'm good. The, what, what I've actually found is you've got to adjust how you actually ask questions. It's, it has to be open-ended questions and sort of lead them into a conversation because otherwise they won't. It'll be a status update and it'll be a, yep, everything's fine. And then, yeah. you know, six months down the track, they're unhappy for whatever reason. And you sit there and you're pulling your hair out as to, you know, how do we get to this point? We've been talking all of this time, but you've never told me. Open-ended questions. Get them talking. Nice. And lastly, Eduardo, what's your thoughts on this one? Yeah, I'll try to summarize a few of the topics that uh, the guys mentioned because uh, they're they are really, really important. Uh, I believe uh, this is a challenge, uh, even when we were in the office. This is not a, uh, it's, a it's not a challenge that it started because of the remote work. It's, it was always there, uh, but with the remote work and the uh, the last of the, the, the personal engagement that happens uh, when you are in the office, it, it might become a little bit harder. Uh, psychological safety. They can say whatever they want without uh, being judged by that. Uh, trust. Uh, they need to trust you that whenever something is being uh, uh, requested or complained that you're going to take actions on that. They need to be able to uh, understand that you have their back. Uh, transparency, like don't hold back the information. Of course, like holding back information, you shouldn't overload them with information, but also uh, important things shouldn't be held uh, back and truly care. Like uh, when you ask about family or if you want to, to the personal engagement make sure that you care don't just listen to that and go away uh, and move the conversation just because it was part of uh, the topic that it's meant to be asked uh, truly care like make sure that you, you you care about that 
And the last one is really uh, the individualized, uh, like I, I understand how to talk to each one of the guys uh, in the team. Uh, once I can definitely ask more personal questions and you have like, uh, we, we make jokes in a different way than the others. Uh, the others are way more strict. They will talk about the problems. Uh, but uh, don't 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 go out of the 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 work to work relationship. Don't go to the personal level, and I'm fine with that. Like we uh, we need to understand uh, their boundaries uh, as well. Okay, awesome. Thanks, Adriana. And Victor, did you have something else, or was? Uh, yeah, I want to kind of add on that. And yeah, both, you know, thanks for all your answers. Yeah, pretty good uh, ideas and. Obviously, you know, we also can do the one-on-ones. And what I found very helpful is the importance of the one on the scope of the one-on-one. So the tech leads will do the one-on-one, you know, with the engineers kind of every fortnight. And then have that scope of the conversation with you know, like talk talk with the engineer, maybe we'll be a bit more focused on, you know, on that the, the, the last two weeks, right? So we can fix something, let's you know, talk about what happened. And then I will do one-on-one once a month just more like on the growth, personal growth, and just, you know, and I think the most important thing that I found works really well for, to help people open up is the follow-ups. That's more important than anything. You know, like you ask them, how are you doing, do you need this? And then if, if they want the answer, yeah, it will, will be great, you know, it will be really great to help with specific subject. And you follow up on that. Next time you ask the question, they will be really, really more open to, you know, to answer you. Yeah, I think that was a good point, Victor. Appreciate that. And thanks everyone for the answers. And, and finally, we'll move on to our last question, um, which is put forward by Eduardo being, how do we measure or validate the, effect, the effectiveness of leadership? So I'll get you to maybe give some context as well and start and kick, kick things off, Eduardo. Yeah, like we, we work in, in the technical space, like it's easy to validate a lot of things that are not subjective. Uh, and we still have different perspectives in the subjective things as well. What's a good code, what's a bad code, what's good architecture is still, uh, but it's way less complicated than understand what's effective leadership. What does it mean? Like, how do you know you're being effective? Uh, I'm trying to look into that and, uh, a few things that I, uh, I believe it's important is uh, a few we, we mentioned before, like the ability for the people to speak up, uh, their confidence that they can, uh, they can talk uh, in each kind of environment and express their opinion. Uh, I believe that's one of the signs, uh, the engagement that they are, like how, how often they do that, uh, how, how comfortable they, they, they feel about taking risks uh, in terms of innovating uh, and the, the leader ability to influence and to drive uh, decisions. Uh, a lot of the times what I find that is uh, the, the, the biggest difference between like a leader than like, I'm a technical leader, but from a senior engineer is the ability to make decisions. So uh, I believe those are the characteristics, but I'm, I'm keen to understand what are the, the other perspectives uh, on that? How can we understand whether we are effective or not uh, as leaders? Thanks for that. We'll switch up again. Janaid, well, I'll get your thoughts on this one. Yep. So in terms of like um, finding effectiveness, it's a, it's a 
bit of a hard one if you are not closer to you, the people and there's not an open way of communication. If you have a good communication and you are closer to your people, um, you can see pretty much highlights. Um, first is like people are, if you check their, uh, like look at if they're happy or not, what is the churn rate um, and if they are innovating. How are how much they're innovating? Are they innovating when you ask them to innovate, or are they innovating when just for their own um, uh, like uh, satisfaction? Um, and one thing I've seen in developers, and I've come from a bad development background, is that thing for me personally, it was the best feeling when I used to see people using the application I built. Um, I built mobile applications for enterprise earlier in my career, and when people were using it, they were like, oh, this looks amazing. And when we were doing the release, one thing was not in design. And I just like, okay, I think I would just change the design like this. And the, at the, literally the last minute, without even, that wasn't the best thing. I didn't ask, even ask the product uh, designer at that point, but it, it did look good. Uh, <laughs> and uh, the designer was like, oh, this wasn't part of the design, but yeah, it looks good. Let's uh, release it. And we release it and the people were like, oh, this looks so much nicer. So that just like very minute detail, the attention detail that, that the engineers give and also understanding if they understand this thing, if we are building this application, how would the customers react? If I am the customer and I'm using this application, would they feel like it's good? And if once you say that thing, that means you are doing something right and you are creating leaders who would think like, um, they would teach and they would think like, okay, we are doing something right and we are building something good for the customers and they are uh, mentoring and providing leadership. Uh, uh, anything that they see, they're open to feedback. All these things come into that one thing. I know I touched on a lot of different topics, but yeah, these all things come into one umbrella at the end. Great, thanks for that, Jade. And Victor, move on to you next. What are your thoughts on this one? Yeah, uh, well, you know, it's, I think they would, those are one of the things that we should probably never try to put like, you know, from one to 10. Uh, it's kind of, uh, right, because it's kind of like one will put seven because and for him seven, it's awesome. So yeah, I think to me, if, you know, how we measure kind of techniques of leadership, if people complain, that's amazing. So, you know, people feel comfortable to rent and it's kind of and about, you know, day-to-day -day stuff. Like if they care about more the technical debt more than you, even more amazing, right? That means they care about the company, they enjoy, you know, working in, in this space. Yeah, sorry about the baby uh, crying in the background. Uh, yeah, and uh, um, like, if you know, if the people can growing in the company, if they are improving, so, and we go back to that feedback, right? So you give someone feedback and then you give them tools to improve and they actually use those tools and they're improving. That means, you know, what we, what we work on with those people, that means it's, it's effective. So I think, and, you know, that's the best result you can expect. And yeah, so, and again, if they're motivated and feel, you know, when we talked about before, they feel safe to talk. That means, you know, they really feel part of that culture that we created. So that's, I think it's, it's, it's the right way to, you know, to validate or measure if possible to measure that. Nice, Victor. And Jason, Moving on to you. Um, Victor, I think your uh, your little one was not happy with the last feature you, you, you released. Um, <laughs> nope, she's never think, happy. That's why I'm moving. <laughs> um, I think, uh, yeah, it's, it's really hard to go last on this one because you guys have all had some amazing answers there um, and you've, you've pretty much hit the nail on the head. 
Um, I think the only thing I can add extra to to what you guys have already said is, to me, there's 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 two outcomes that that you need to measure. One is on the business side and the business impacts. Are you actually getting the outcomes that the business needs, um, and and are you moving forward in the right direction? If you are, you you you're effectively communicating your strategy. People understand what 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 what, um, what what they need to do, and they're actually able to move through it. Even better so if they can do it without you having to go to them and check up on them the whole time as well. Uh, you know, so that shows that that you've got that effective leadership going from a from a company perspective. And then the flip side is is from a person uh, or a, you know a people perspective, knowing that people are happy, knowing that they're that they're uh, you know even if if they're unhappy, that they can have that robust conversation. And still be okay with everyone afterwards. You know, it's not about the person; it's about the problem. You know, and being able to then go go and have have a beer afterwards or whatever. You know, um, or ha- have a tea. Um, you know, I think that's that's signs that you've you know there's effective leadership happening because people can cohabitate. They're happy with what they're doing. They're happy with how they're doing it, and they're happy with the outcomes that they're actually getting. So, as as everyone has, has sort of mentioned here, so I think those are the only two extra things that that I, I feel I can add there. Awesome. Thanks for that, Jason. Look, I did say the last one, but I, I reckon we've got some time. We'll throw in a, a last question that I know, Janaid, you put forward. What uh, The question is, what is the ideal ratio of leaders to followers do you think is a healthy balance in an organisation? So I'll start with you, Janaid. What are your maybe context or thoughts surrounding Yes. That? So one thing in in the startup when I was uh, in the startup, um, I felt like the team was growing really quickly, um, and then it, uh, there was a point where I was becoming a point of contact. People had, they were, uh, and I was also doing development as well. I was doing project management. Like in the startup, you wear multiple hats. It was really difficult for me to manage everything together, and that's where I was like, okay. There needs to be different lines where people can go to and have um, that was my learning lesson like lesson that i learned over there um, so there needs to be like a balance if you have too many leaders um, in the business then um, who are you uh, the, who will be the next future leaders for, for you if you are too many people who are actually reporting or like following one person um, then the leader would become burnout because we are all humans uh, so that, that, that was some of the things that I, that I found. For me, I reckon um, it's it depends on organization to organization. Um, and for us, it's like in safety culture, uh, I'm really happy with the way things are uh, at the moment with people reaching out to other people. It doesn't mean that your leader is the person you report to. You can look at other people, you can get mentorship, you can get help from. So it actually like reduces some of the uh, kind of like the time. It gives back some of the time uh, to you. And people do like sometimes people will be like, oh, I like this thing that you do, but I don't like the other thing that you do. And some other person might like that thing. So everybody has their own preferences and they can then just learn um, from other people. Um, so for me, I reckon it's it, it's if you have multiple people, at least around if people are looking at you as a leader, if you have like a five to six or sometimes seven, that's some of, that's somewhat manageable. And after that, if it becomes to like 20, 25, it's like, and you have to catch up with everyone, it becomes too much for you. Awesome, thanks that, Janaid. Eduardo, I'll get your thoughts on this one next. Yeah, I agree with like that, that balance because I don't think anyone is 
just a leader in the organization, they have a function in that structure, like with their own activities. And it's just a division of work uh, at that aspect. It's not a matter, a matter of a hierarchy. So I have the activities that I need to do as the engineer uh, manager uh, in my team, but also I, I, I have the team to manage. So if the balance doesn't, uh, it's not good enough, uh, like to be, to, to be honest, like I don't think how much uh, satisfaction I will get from my work uh, so five to seven, uh, as uh, Janet said, is, uh, is a very good balance. I believe you can work individually with each one of the, the team members and understand uh, their needs and support their needs, but also you, you can still do uh, other activities that uh, is part of your uh, job description and the, I think organization expect from you. Awesome. Thanks for that, Eduardo. And Victor, moving on to you next, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I think it also depends on people you, you people you know that leader is leading. For example, it's a bit different when an engineering manager leads seven seniors or seven juniors, right? Like your time will be split very, very differently, and even like your job will be different, right? And uh, this is why I think a good mix in its in a team uh, is very healthy between seniors and juniors and uh, yeah, whatever title you want to call it. And also the definition of that leader inside the organization, you know, what Eduardo said, like, it's not just only you. It's like a function, it's like a more leader. So if the definition of your company, the tech lead or the engineering manager, you know, if he's expecting to code, then he needs to have less people because for each person that you manage, you probably should have like at least 10, but 20% of time that you're not coding, right? So that means that number is very, it's like, you know, five is too many. If you don't expect to code at all, if it's only people management, then yeah, you might have a bit more capacity to get to manage more people. So yeah, I think it really depends on, on a few things. And uh, it really depends on organization. And again, there's not, there's not right or wrong. I think it's the right number based on the people. Thanks for that, Victor. And Jason, what are your thoughts? I think that was, that was quite well said around uh, it's based on the people you, you're actually working with. I think that there's a few aspects to it. The, the one is direct line management, where you, you have people reporting into you. That, you know, to, to uh, Victor's point, you can't have too many. And I think the general rule of the, the, you know, the, the two pizza team size uh, will always apply. Um, you know, that sort of six to, to eight or so. But I also feel that inside any given function, just because you don't have people reporting into you doesn't mean you're not a leader. You need to be able to influence other people around you if, if you strongly believe in the outcome that you're trying to get to um, or, or the, the approach that you're trying to take. So I think, uh, you know, there's, there's, I don't think there'll ever be a hard and fast, you know, one-to-one -one relationship or, or anything like that. It, it's, you know, collectively what are we trying to achieve? I'm, I'm really busy today. Can you help pick, pick something up? And they run with that. So having someone who is capable of actually, you know, putting their hand up and going, right, I can, I can step in and help you out with X, Y, Z. But again, it comes down to the right level of communication and making sure everyone understands where we're running towards. So we all run, carry on running in the same direction. It's also quite different depending on the business size. If you're in a startup and you're the, the two-man team or you know, you've got you know, a three-person team, 
you you do everything. Everyone's the leader. Everyone's the 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 person coding. Everyone's you know helping out on the help desk. When you get to that hundred size and above and 300, 500, it becomes a much different dynamic. There, you have to cultivate more leaders. You know, you you have some people who are up and coming. You have some people who are uh, you know just sort of jumping in and, and doing what they need to do. So it it definitely does depend on you know team size, people there, what you're doing, and and how you're doing it. But but in general, if you've got more than about eight people directly reporting into you, I I think you're probably doing something wrong. That's just me personally. Thanks for that, Jason. What was that? Sorry, I said in not sleeping, probably. Yeah, because like, managing <laughs> yeah, all the eight people, it just yeah, just yeah, it's just <laughs> impossible. Yeah, it's, it's really really hard. Awesome. Yeah. Well, thanks everyone for answering the bonus question. I, th I thought I'd throw that in. We had a bit of time, um, but we'll leave it there for now. But I just want to thank you all uh, for joining, jumping in, and and giving your input on what I'm sure is a pretty relevant topic, especially in this hybrid. I know it was a question working model. We're now all everyone is working through and just getting an understanding of what effective leadership actually is. So thank you all for listening, and I look forward to catching you all next time on the Evolution Exchange podcast.